A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So back with you here uh, for a sort of bonus uh, edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company, um, talking with Ryan Petty, whose daughter Elena was murdered at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida in 2018. Uh, And I wanted Ryan to come on the program to talk about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman from Georgia, who has been the uh, subject of a great deal of criticism from uh, gun control activists uh, and the left who've demanded a resignation over, uh, they say, uh, spreading of conspiracy theories, uh, not only involving the election uh, uh, this past November, but uh, calling the uh, shooting at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary, the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, uh, false flags, or uh, at least um, uh, allowing that type of uh, comment uh, to go unchecked and unchallenged on her uh, social media. Um, when I asked Ryan to, uh, to join me on the program, uh, I, I figured that we would have a, a conversation about not just Marjorie Taylor Greene's, uh, uh, a talk about this, but again, what, what, what this type of, um, conspiratorial, uh, thinking, uh, does for those individuals who uh, lost loved ones in these types of attacks, as, as well as what these types of uh, conspiratorial theories uh, do for our Second Amendment rights. Ryan Petty is a Second Amendment supporter, as you will hear, if you did not already know. Uh, but between the time that I asked Ryan to uh, join me for a conversation, and Ryan actually joining me, Mr. Petty had another conversation with Marjorie Taylor Greene herself. And we'll learn about that when we talk with Ryan Petty. Take a look and a listen. Ryan, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. It's so good talking to you today. Cam, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an exciting day for me. Uh, I've got, I just um, ordered a new AR-15, and it should be here today. I'm going to training in March, uh, uh, what's called a hybrid carbine course, so close quarter combat and long-range shooting. And I am so excited I'm going to go pick up that new gun today and uh, take her out to the range over the weekend and uh, break, break her in. And then uh, I'm looking forward to my, my training coming up. That is awesome. Uh, good luck finding ammo for it. You, you, you know, be, be, be sparing. I know you've got your training coming up in March, but, uh, you know, that's hard to find these days, Ryan. That's my biggest concern. And fortunately, I had planned ahead uh, pre-pandemic. I, I'd had a I won't call it a stockpile. That's probably being too uh, too gracious. <laughs> but I but I have enough to uh, to go to the range and training. And I, I just you know I'll put my plug in for training. So important for those of us that care about the Second Amendment to get trained and stay trained. And it's difficult with ammo at, at the difficulty finding ammo and at the prices we see today. Very very challenging. But um, training is so so important. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, you, you know, and it's interesting. The reason why uh, I had reached out to you, we, you know, obviously Marjorie Taylor Greene has been uh, in the news quite a bit. Gun control advocates, Media Matters for America, you know, calling on her to resign from Congress. Um, and I don't, you know, there, there are some things that, that I don't really feel are germane to this discussion. But as you and I both being Second Amendment supporters, and Marjorie Taylor Greene is a Second Amendment supporter. Um, I wanted to talk about the 2A community 
Uh, and, you know, these conspiracy theories that have been floated um, by Marjorie Taylor Greene and others that, you know, the shooting at Sandy Hook was a false flag, that the uh, shooting at Parkland uh, was a false flag, the gun control advocates actually uh, cooked up the, the shooting in Las Vegas. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on that. But s- since you and I uh, arranged to talk today, you've actually had another conversation with Marjorie Taylor Greene herself, right? I did. I did, Cam. So, you know, I'm so concerned about where we're headed with cancel culture. And we, we just seem to find, um, we, we, we raise people up and tear them down. And Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene's a new uh, representative representing Georgia. Uh, I found out I had a mutual acquaintance, so I reached out and said, I'd love to get a clarification from her on what she, I've read the comments, I've read the posts, I'd like to understand what she meant. And so she reached out this morning and we had, we had a conversation. And her explanation is that she was referring to, in her comments about false flag, those were actually comments posted by somebody on her Facebook page. They were not posted by her. She was responding in the affirmative to uh, um, a quote about the school resource officer, Scott Peterson, who didn't act that day. And she, she explained to me she was responding to that comment, not to the fact that it was a false flag. She shared a, a story with me about um, being in lockdown at a school shooting when she was in high school and how traumatic of an experience that was for her. And she couldn't imagine being now a parent, how I must feel, my wife must feel, having lost our daughter in Parkland. So um, I, I believe her explanation. Uh, I believe she was sincere. And, um, you know, for my part, uh, I think we should be better than the left. And so when I had an opportunity to reach out and talk to her directly about her comments and ask her what she meant, uh, I took that opportunity and I, uh, I, that's how I think we should operate. You know, and I'm, I'm really glad that you did that too, because you're right. I'm not, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. Um, and in fact, uh, on today's Cam and Company, I was kind of previewing our conversation. I said, I, I, I'm not, I'm not interested in trying to declare myself emperor of the second amendment community and excommunicating people. Um, but what I also don't want to do is to shy away from these conversations because we might find them difficult or embarrassing, uh, or, you know, we just don't want to talk about the elephant in the room. Um, and, and I think that we, we absolutely have to, uh, address that. And I'm, I'm really glad that, that she offered an explanation to you. I don't know, Ryan, did, did, did the Las Vegas shooting come up in your conversation at all? We focused solely on Parkland and her comments about Parkland and, and Scott Peterson, the, the deputy that uh, failed on February 14th. Yeah. And, and again, I think um, there are uh, a lot of folks in agreement that, uh, that there was failure on the part of law enforcement there. Um, but, you yeah, know, there's no, there's no question there were uh, eight deputies plus Peterson that failed that day to, to enter the building when they should have. Um, that's been the subject of the investigation of the commission that I sit on. And, uh, we've rendered our, our, uh, view on that, which I think very, very clearly shows failures of policy, failures of leadership and failures to act that day that could have saved lives. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and again, I mean, you are a, a, a Second Amendment supporter. This is what I, I, I think a lot of folks may not understand because they they see, you know, a, a horrific tragedy like what happened uh, in Parkland, Florida in 2018. And they think, well, everybody, you know, involved must must now want gun control. Um, that's not the case. There are some people, who obviously, who have embraced the idea of gun control. There are others who have said, no, that's not the answer. That's not the way to make schools safer. The, you know, the, it seems to me like we try to simplify these stories and we try to simplify the individuals involved um, in these situations. And in, in doing so, when I say we, I mean the media, be it the news media, be it social media, um, we just kind of like to dumb things down. We want things to be really, really simple. And the fact of the matter is that we're talking about complex situations involving real life human beings. And really, I think the only way we come to an understanding is by talking to one another. I couldn't agree more with you. In fact, part of the reason I became a quote unquote activist uh, for school safety is because I didn't like the, the course of events after Parkland. I, I saw us repeating the same mistakes we were, we've made after every single one of these school tragedies, which is to allow it to devolve into a simplistic argument over the Second Amendment. And, a, and, and for that matter, a certain type of weapon, a so-called assault weapon, right? That wasn't the issue that day. It, the issue was the troubled killer and the, the opportunities missed to prevent the tragedy. That is what we should have been focused on. Why did it happen and what failures were there that allowed this untrained individual to walk into a school um, w without being stopped or asked even a simple question and to kill 17 people and injure 17 more. What were the failures that caused that to happen? That's what I wanted to know. And so I've advocated for um, um, some things that are popular with Second Amendment supporters. And as you know, Cam, there's, there's things that you and I disagree on that that, that I've advocated for here. But one of the things we did was we put an armed uh, response in every single school in the state of Florida. And I'm proud of that. Our schools are no longer soft targets. And despite the failures of the SRO that day to take the fight to the killer, um, I believe we've created a deterrent effect and I'm convinced now that the training is much better for law enforcement and for our Florida guardians um, that are sitting at our schools. And I don't think we'll see another failure like Parkland. I, uh, I, I hope and pray that you are uh, that you're right about that, Ryan. And, and again, the efforts that have been undertaken in Florida, you're right. You and I don't agree on every issue and that's OK, uh, because you and I are also still able to have thoughtful discussions uh, about our disagreements and our areas of agreement. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I appreciate uh, those types of conversations. And, and maybe I need to reach out to Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, because I'm looking at this transcript of this video that she did. This is before she ran for Congress. This is, I believe, uh, 2019, no, 2000, uh, October 2017, um, right after the shooting in Las Vegas. And she said, I've got a question for you in this video. How do you get avid gun owners and people who support the Second Amendment to give up their guns and go along with anti-gun legislation? How do you do that? Maybe you accomplish that by performing a mass shooting into a crowd that's very likely to be conservative, very likely to vote Republican, 
very likely to be Trump supporters, very likely to be pro-Second Amendment, and very likely to own guns. You make them scared, you make them victims, and you change their mindset, and then possibly you can pass anti-gun legislation. Is that what happened in Las Vegas, she wondered? Is that why the country music festival was targeted? Are they trying to terrorize our mindset and change our minds about the Second Amendment? Is that what's going on here? Now, again, these are all framed in the form of questions. Right. But I don't necessarily know that they were questions in Marjorie Taylor Greene's mind. Um, and, you know, as a Second Amendment supporter, um, you know, you and I, I don't know if I've ever used the phrase an ambassador for the Second Amendment when, when you and I have talked, but it's a phrase I use quite frequently. I think that we need to be good ambassadors for the Second Amendment. And, you know, based on some of these comments um, and based on even the lack of pushback, I mean, it's one thing for Marjorie Taylor Greene to say, look, when that person talked about a false flag operation, and I agreed. I was actually talking about uh, Scott Peterson. I've not seen any pushback from Marjorie Taylor Greene on her Facebook posts or anywhere else where somebody said, look, this, these were crisis actors. This, this didn't really happen. And I've not seen any point in time where she said, no, that's crap. That's wrong. That this really happened. There were real victims. There were real families who are hurting. So I don't, you know, it's funny. I mean, you are much more obviously intimately involved in this. Can you let this go? Are you good with Marjorie Taylor Greene now, or do you still have some 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 questions? Well, I I love your I love the term ambassador. I think we all have to be the the ambassadors for what we believe in. And in the case of the Second Amendment, I think you know. Look, the left can get away with saying whatever they want because they have control of the culture, they have control of the media, they have control of big tech. So they are excused when, when they make statements that don't have any basis in fact. They circle the wagons and they protect each other. My, my comment to Representative Green today was, we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. It's unfortunate. I wish it was equal. But when you look at, I mean, just go back and look at um, the violence this summer. The left was cheering the violence this summer. Um, and, and not only were they cheering it, they were funding bail for people that had been arrested because of it. They, they can get away with that. We cannot. Um, and so we have to be ambassadors. And that means we have to be very careful about what we say. We have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. The good news is, Cam, and I shared this with Rep Representative Green, we have truth on our side. We have the Constitution on our side, and we have God on our side. Um, and and it, is, it is my faith and my belief that the founders were inspired in what they wrote and what they put into our Constitution and our Bill of Rights that I think we have an extra burden to be ambassadors for that, to make sure that um, those rights are protected and carried forward. So we have to be careful about what we put on social media. We have to be very clear when we make, when we're questioning what better way would, would there be to um, encourage lawmakers to restrict our freedoms. We have to be very clear that we're asking a rhetorical question and we can't just throw these things out there. So we're held to a higher standard. 
I think we should think of ourselves as ambassadors and we should be careful in what we say. And, you know, you know, look, um, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. I'm still making mistakes on social media and I'll probably finish this conversation with you and go make another one later today. But, but we have to be thoughtful. And, uh, I think if we think of ourselves as ambassadors, that's a good way. That's a good way to hold our standards higher. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. And I don't think it's a matter of, you know, well, watch what you say so you don't get canceled or watch what you say so you don't tick off the left. To, to, to me, you know, whether you like it or not, I know, look, most of us hate politics, um, but but we still have to be involved in politics. You know, we can leave politics alone, but politicians aren't going to leave us alone. And, and politics is ultimately about the art of persuasion. So, you know, when when you engage publicly with a gun control advocate or somebody that, that, you know, is out there calling for a ban on AR-15s, you're probably not trying to change their mind, but you certainly want to give everybody else who's watching on social media some information and you want to be able to help persuade them to at least consider your point of view. Um, and, and uh, you know, that to me is is the most important uh, reason to sort of, you know, be mindful of what you say, not not to be canceled or not even to, to worry about offending somebody. But if you want if you consider yourself to be a Second Amendment activist, then you should obviously want to be the most effective activist that you can be. Right. I mean, nobody wants to be an ineffective activist. Nobody wants to to do more damage than than good to the cause. Um, and that's why I think it is important as you talk about it to, you know, how we're framing these things, how we're talking about these issues. Um, and, and what folks on the outside, uh, are going to take from that. And, you know, look, Ryan, I mean, the other thing is the second amendment community really is a big tent community. There are gun owners out there who I disagree with on all kinds of issues, but I try to set those issues aside when we're talking about the second amendment, because if we're all together, be it the, you know, John Brown gun club socialists, uh, or the, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, MAGA wing of the Republican Party, all of these people who may disagree on all kinds of other issues when it comes to our right of self-defense, when it comes to our right to keep and bear arms, the more that we can actually present a unified voice, the stronger our rights are. I, I agree 100% with what you're saying, Cam. And I think that, you know, in my experience, uh, persuade, I've had to work with with both Republicans and Democrats to get things done politically. I would prefer, and I think most conservatives would prefer to live life. Politics is a, a second order priority for many of us. What we have to understand is for the left, politics is life. And they view everything through a political lens. And so understanding that, we have to form, formulate arguments that are persuasive in that context to them. And I think when we, when we put forward conspiracy theories or we make unfounded statements that aren't based in fact, we actually damage our cause. We damage our ability to be persuasive and we allow the left um, to paint us as all the same as a monolithic, they, well, they all believe conspiracy theories or they all think uh, these unfortunate uh, societal attacks or false flag events. That's not what most Second Amendment supporters believe or think. And so, um, you know, 
we, we have to be careful about how we present these arguments and try to be persuasive. And quite frankly, um, in my experience, I've had very good luck convincing folks that the, the solution to things like school shootings is not a restriction on law, more restrictions on law abiding citizens. That's not actually the way we solve this. The way we solve this is first understanding what happened and why it happened. And the second is what, what steps can we take to prevent a criminal use of a firearm? Those are the things that we should be focused on, not on restricting the second amendment. Did you, did you ever have a moment, Ryan, um, you know, maybe in those, uh, just chaotic days right after, uh, your daughter was murdered. Did you ever have a moment where you thought maybe we do need to ban these guns or was that never a consideration for you? Cam, I did some soul searching in those days after I I've shared this publicly, uh, on more than one occasion, but the, one of the favorite things for my daughter, Elena and, and, and me to do was to go to a gun range and shoot together. Her favorite gun was an AR-15. That's what she, she liked that firearm because she could control it. She could manage it. And she was a pretty good shot. We loved to spend that time together. That was something dad and daughter could do together. And we enjoyed that. So after that, I thought, wow, was, am I wrong? Have I been thinking about this incorrectly? Did I, did I, have I been promoting my entire life, the second amendment? And was that the cause of this? And I did some, I did some real deep soul searching on that. And, and the, but the more I learned about what happened and why it happened, the more I realized that it was not the freedoms that we have that caused or contributed to the death of my daughter. It was evil. It was evil that was allowed to go unchecked. It was good people that didn't do anything. And it was a criminal use. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. We don't. We don't live in a perfectly safe world. And there is no law that we can pass that will make our lives 100% safe and secure. And this is really um, uh, a battle that's been going on for centuries. And certainly throughout the history of the United States, it's this battle over safety and security versus freedom. Um, I'm on the side of freedom. I, I would rather be free and live in a risky society than, than have the false idea that government can protect me from all the bad things that might happen to me. And that was the soul searching I did. Um, and of course, the more I learned as we investigated what happened, the more uh, confirmation I got that really the approach here was prevention. The approach we should be taking is protecting our schools. Um, having an armed presence on the schools would provide a deterrent effect and would stop the tragedies as quickly as possible. And, and that was really what we focused on in Florida. And, and, I'm, and I'm proud that we've had uh, good leadership it, both of our governors have been great leaders and our Florida legislature has done great work in making sure they do everything that they can to uh, protect our schools. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, listen, you are a good ambassador for the Second Amendment uh, and you are, I, I think, a, um, I think more than that, you're a good man. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming on the program. I appreciate our friendship um, you know, as you said, you and I don't agree on every issue, but, but we don't have to. Um, and I, I just, 
I'm really grateful uh, for your time today, uh, for all of your efforts to to protect freedom. Um, and again, I, I think um, your example as how to conduct yourself in the political arena, um, I, I think that a lot of us could learn from your example, sir. <laughs>